0: Aloha Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter. And another guy over here, not Jason. Brian Thomas stepping in for <laughs> Jay. Jay. So we got Brian Thomas here uh, from Fairwinds Wealth Management, independent owner, operator, founder of Fairwinds Wealth Management. Did I get that all in? Yep. Great to be here. So nice to have you, Brian. Thank you so much. Uh, Brian's a real sport. He's uh, been on the show before. Gave us an introduction to ETFs and TANs and all kinds of great acronyms related to the financial world of the uh, Solar-esque
1: financial world. Yep, yep. And just talking about how people can participate in it without having to buy a big solar system, you know? Yeah. And in the context of other investment choices, if you look at, we last time we mentioned ETF, which again stands for Exchange Traded Fund. And it's a way of owning the basket of those solar stocks in that industry, not having to pick which one is gonna be the winner, because uh, you may know but us lay people don't know which which are the great companies
0: I think I might know but I don't always take action on that and it kind of <laughs> stings me we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment so we're gonna be able to talk to uh, Brian and get a kind of an update and you'll we'll go a little further with this financial conversation which I'm really excited about uh, and then we've got a great show here this is episode 121 it we're actually covering the Maui Country Club solar pavilions uh, pavilions and uh, we're gonna be able to talk with Tom Glesney who is a board member on the club and had a big hand in creating these these amazing hundred and fifty ish kW solar systems also uh, from rising Sun solar Matias Besasso and Chauncey Brown gave us a really great technical overview, but also kind of what it takes to build something like this in an SMA area right next to the ocean, in the you know tail end of the NEM era of solar. Uh, so I really appreciated these interviews. We're going to hear from them shortly. we got a brief news and events. Let's jump right into it, and we'll take it from there. So hey, uh, folks, we are The Solar Coaster. We are a renewable energy-themed talk show right here in lovely Maui County. can be found Fridays at 1.05pm on Oi 1110am. Also some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 5 fm west side 98 7 fm up country got a great website solar-coaster.com uh, there's a listen live link there you can also uh we also are streaming live on um, and some cool graphics and things of that nature there's a mailing list if you'd like to give us some questions Feel free to jump in there. Uh, write up a question, send it to us, and we'll do our best to get it on air and get back to you for that. We've got some podcast uh, platforms: uh, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, a lot of really cool opportunities to digest and uh, take, imbibe your solar coaster wherever and however you like to. Uh, great sponsors as well: Sundrum Solar, Pantech Design, and LG Chem. It's a very exciting time for the solar coaster. SPI International. You ever heard of SPI before, Brian? It's a big
1: trade show in Salt Lake. Uh, only since you guys are. So humbly uh, getting into it and (laughs) selected as.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. We're pretty stoked because we're going to be uh, the live correspondence for throughout the four days. 20,000 attendees, the smartest people in the renewable energy industry going there, exhibiting there. There's all these really great up-and-coming companies that have since become billion-dollar companies from from startups like SolarEdge and, and a bunch of other amazing guys like Mosaic. We've had these guys on the show, the founders. Uh, great opportunity for the Solar Coaster to jump right in there and meet a whole bunch of wonderful people and bring those shows back to Maui. And that's pretty impressive that they picked you guys to do that. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about it. I know Jay is too. Let's jump over to one of our sponsors, Pantech Design, and hear their minute. Welcome to this week's Pantech Design Minute. Today's focus is the remarkable Lutron shading system. Pantech Design's Adapt seamlessly integrates the Lutron shading system to your energy smart home. There are four things to consider when looking at this shading technology.
1: Number one, elegance and ambiance. Lutron controls are designed to look and work beautifully. Stylish control and fabric options coupled with innovative technology elegantly transition a space to create the right amount of light for any activity.
0: Number two, convenience. Managing daylight is not restricted to a single wall station in your home. Shading systems can be controlled using a myriad of controls, or set to an astronomic time clock for automatic adjustment of shades.
1: Three, saving energy. Utilize your shading system to save additional energy beyond routine use of shades. Morning Warm opens the shades, taking advantage of sunlight and helping to take the chill off your upcountry mornings. Afternoon Cool does the opposite by lowering shades and blocking solar heat gain, thereby reducing your cooling costs.
0: Number four, safety and security. Utilize a whole home shading system for simultaneous control of all shades. By setting a predetermined scene for away, simply select this button when leaving to close all shades and restrict the view inside your home. This has been the Pantech Design Minute. Visit pantechdesign.com to learn more. So, Pantech Design is a great sponsor of the Solar Coaster. We're actually going to uh, go to the founder, Troy Morgan's home in Texas and do a, a show with all of these uh, kind of events happening and watching the smart home take shape working with the Sonin Equalinks Links battery uh, Sonin and and Pantech design are doing amazing things they've just uh, Sonin has just launched uh, four or five virtual power plant communities across the country big news that was like a couple days ago so really really cool people very excited to be working with them and see them at SPI this year I think it's time for our very brief news and events uh, guys <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna uh, be, focus our energy, we only have a few minutes because we have these great interviews coming up, but we're gonna talk a little bit about this renewable energy finance section. Now Brian's here from Fairwinds Wealth Management. We talked a little bit about ETFs and TANs and all this great stuff last time.
1: Brian, what, what, what are your thoughts today? Well, um, just uh, when you say TAN, for people, that's the ticker symbol so, uh, of, an, of the ETF. And you know, it is a basket of solar stocks and it's not a recommendation. Gotcha. But if, if somebody looks at a chart, and then looks at, say, the market, the S&P 500, they can see that it has both good absolute strength, it's rising and doing well, mm-hmm. and relative strength, relative to the S&P 500, which has been a little choppy in the last couple of weeks. So, right. so, that's an in, in indicator of, of a decent investment. Now, at the same time, that said, this ETF is up 63% year to date.
0: Right, that's, that's huge, right? It, it
1: is huge, yeah. and so. In the context of that growth, you also have to have a conversation about risk management. And you have to define your risk management going into it, especially as something has gone up so far. But to your point, and what we were talking about uh, before the show started, there are states that are uh, behind and pushing solar energy. And and some of these companies are beneficiaries of the tariffs, of the Chinese tariffs, actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, uh, I- in other words, it shows you what industry is growing as money coming into it and it's rising and investors are putting that's their money. what the ETF shows you exactly
0: you know what's interesting about this is that uh, it's very tough to pick a winner in this industry it's very volatile that's our namesake the solar coaster right sure and when you when you told me about ETFs first I got really excited about it. I don't have any interest in this folks it's just something that I'm genuinely enthusiastic about uh, and I also see on the investment side of the fence in the VC world and the impact investment world I see a lot of money flowing into renewables in different ways whether they're projects, whether they're the grids themselves, whether they are uh, manufacturers or developers, this stuff's happening. And so I, th- I think to myself, well, how can an individual participate in what, what I see coming, you know?
1: Yeah, great, and 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 so there's a confluence of a few different things happening. A, there's a desire for it. B, there's an economic feasibility for it, right? And and that alone is awesome. But there's also a third thing, ESG, and mm-hmm. it stands for environmental and social and governance. Uh, and it used to be called SRI back. I started this business in '98, social responsible investing. But it's putting your money to work in manners that you believe in and that also benefit society and our earth. And Beautiful. So, that's ESG? Yeah. And, and that, that's just a concept of investing, but there's specific ESG funds. But, you know, there's, there's one called PBW, that's the ticker symbol. And it's a, it's a clean energy, so it's not just solar, but it's other clean energy companies. And, and again, you can look that up. P is in Paul, B is in Bravo, W is in Walter.
0: Two things. One, I'm sure we're going to do a full financial show together. That's really critical at this stage of the game. And two, how can people contact you if they want to get a hold of you?
1: 808 873 3247 or brian.thomas at fairwindswealth.com
0: very good. And thank you for coming on again today. We're going to get a chance to chat a bit after the uh, section. Let's go over to our, to our commercials. We'll come right back with Tom Glesney from Maui Country Club. LG is a leader in the home electronics industry and manufactures some of the most popular PV panels as well as many other appliances we've come to know and appreciate over the years. The same LG brand offers the LG Chem Resu battery line for your home energy storage needs. Here in Hawaii, their primary model is the LG 10H Resu with 9.3 kilowatt hours of usable capacity. The LG 10H Resu can be used both to maximize consumption of solar energy at home and also functions as a source of backup power in the event that the grid goes down. LG Chem has increased production of their battery line for Hawaii's renewable energy solar market. Contact your local solar provider to learn more about the LG Chem 10H Resu battery. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. Okay, so we're here with Tom Glesney. We're at the Maui Country Club, and I've been working really hard for a long time and kind of chasing you to get an interview.
2: Thank you. You bet. It's hard uh, hard to track me down sometimes, Josh.
0: So obviously I spent a little bit of time here, and so uh, I've watched the solar system, or I guess the phase two, go in. And so I really wanted to sit down with some representatives from the club and get a sense for what this experience was like. It's a beautiful system that's been put in, Congratulations, by the way.
2: Oh, thanks. I really appreciate that. It's been quite an effort over the last few years with all of the parameters that are involved in making and putting together a system like this, especially here on Maui.
0: So the one we're looking at right now, and I know there were a couple of phases to renewable energy here. I mean, you have solar hot water, of course, and you had a system put in earlier. The one we're looking at right now is it's pretty spectacular. I got to tell you, it is. Uh, there's two primary arrays, but one of the things that kind of excites me is when you walk in. And it just frames the tennis court in this kind of really beautiful way. So, I mean, the aesthetic turned
2: out to be pretty spot on, too. Well, I'm really lucky that it turned out the way it did. That wasn't an accident. We understood that, you know, Maui Country Club is our motto is where friends and family come to play. It's not where friends and family come to look at industrial installations of supportive renewables. But you do want to try to marry those two into a, a situation that, that addresses both. And we've been faced, I, I will say this, as a board member, I've gotten involved in understanding the challenges that exist in running a place for friends and family to come and play. It's, it's a business, and it does have to survive. And we certainly wanted to survive because I know you like hanging out here. (laughs) But in addressing our costs, we realized that number one is labor, obviously, and number two is utilities. And in looking at those costs and trying to figure out what we can do with them, one of our biggest electrical costs was the irrigation pump. So here we have only a nine-hole golf course, 3,500 yards, 65 acres or so of grass, but the irrigation pump runs at about 35 kilowatts. And that's a lot of power that you're pumping a lot of water out onto this grass to keep everything green. So our first phase was to put uh, a system on top of the golf pro shop and the cart barn. And it's really out of sight. It really wasn't in, in any neighbor's line of vision. So you didn't have a not in my backyard syndrome per se. And a lot of people don't even know that we have a system on that roof. But it's paying 80% of the power bill for our irrigation system over there. And that was a NEM as well. But our real intention was to address the clubhouse needs. And the clubhouse needs dictated a system on the order of 150 kilowatts. And that's a fairly large system for an area like this. Now, we were looking at the clubhouse roof and it being built in 1925, it's a George Dickey design. There were some concerns about putting Solar panels all over a what is a beautiful clubhouse and a beautiful roof. There were some neighborhood concerns and so forth, so we looked around and decided that around the tennis courts was really an area that was an opportunity.
0: Well, you mentioned before a 35 kilowatt pump that is bringing, I guess that's that's this one central pump that's 35 kilowatts that's bringing water across those 65 acres.
2: Well, to draw water out of that and distribute it all the way to the end of the golf course does require a pretty hefty mainline end pump.
0: Okay, and then you've got a roughly 30 or 40 kilowatts
2: of solar up on the cart house, did you call it? It's on top of the cart barn and on the backside of the golf pro shop, yes.
0: Okay. okay, so that's a NEM system, so net energy metering system. So for every kilowatt hour, you feed back to the grid, you get a full credit back. So those are beautiful, right? Did you install that via a power purchase agreement, or did you purchase that?
2: Given that the club doesn't have a lot of strong cash flow outside of what our operational needs are, there's not a lot of money that we have for capital investment. We currently have a backlog of, you know, like, like many clubs, a million dollars in deferred maintenance. So we don't have a lot of free capital to put towards projects like that. So the power purchase agreement that we entered in uh, is very advantageous for us because it allows us to build a system of that without any significant outlay in, in cash.
0: Nice, so when was that installed? That was installed about five years ago. And then I noticed you got some solar hot water, just kind of running through the full scope here. You got four commercial size collectors up there. Does that provide the
2: bulk of the, the domestic hot water needs? It does. We tend to get, the showers are piping hot uh, the vast majority of the time, on Wednesday afternoons when uh, it's Taco Tuesday. You know, something about a laid-back country club that has Taco Tuesday on a Wednesday. Kind of lets you know a little bit about the nature of Maui Country Club. But on Wednesday afternoons, when it's pretty jam-packed in here and everyone's coming off of the golf course and the tennis courts and taking showers, we might have some cool showers, but... As hot as the weather's been recently, no one's really complaining.
0: Yeah. So we're talking about five years ago, you put in that PPA, you're, you're knocking out that 35 kilowatt irrigation pump, you got a good solid NIM that's supporting that, good for domestic hot water, solar thermal panels up there that are providing the bulk of the hot water needs. And then was there another stage that was on the main building or were there three stages or two stages of solar?
2: Just two stages? it was two stages but in looking at the area around the tennis courts there was going to be a third pavilion on the other side of what you see now but our property line abuts a sand dune and maui county code because they consider the pavilion a structure they require you to have a four hour firewall if you're that close to a property line in terms of the setback and we couldn't move the property line very easily so we did have to revert back and put some of our panels on the rooftop of the existing pool pavilion and on the back side of the clubhouse so they would be out of view from the neighborhood but still have access in the right azimuth for uh, pointing to the sun.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so this is, so the on-roof section of the solar system is effectively part of the phase two, but it was done a little earlier because you were, you took time to build out the structure.
2: Right. Well, the permitting, permitting process for that overall plan of phase two included two large pavilions and then some individual panels on both rooftops of the clubhouse and the pavilion around the pool. So those were installed at first opportunity once we got the building permit for that phase of the project, but the building permits languished for the pavilions because we're in a SMA and there were a little more hoops to jump through as far as starting construction on the actual tennis pavilion.
0: Got it. Okay, so what is the total size of this, can we call it phase two?
2: Total size of this phase is 147 and change kilowatts. And That's including the rooftop? That is including the rooftop.
0: So, yeah, so you got this, you know, fair diversity. You got a lot of it facing south. You got some pretty flat pitches on the pavilions, so the kind of azimuth is less relevant, really. So, yeah, you got a lot going on here. Do you know what the aggregate, the full electric bills were for the club? I mean, the, and, and if you don't, it's, you know, no, no worries. I'm just wondering to try to get a sense for the savings.
2: I don't know the exact uh, power bills. I think it's somewhere around 8000 a month. And, and we'll see that go down, I, I'm guessing, by a third. If you consider the fact that building in Hawaii is, is somewhat expensive, so in the hopes of doing a PPA at 11 cents a kilowatt hour, that's, that's really a pipe dream. That's just not gonna happen if you're in sandy soils and you've got large pavilions with heavy uh, windward lifts. The amount of concrete we had to put in for these pavilions totaled about 70, 70 yards. And 70 yards of concrete, considering the excavation, you're dealing with uh, a fair construction cost. Our PPA is set at 21 cents a kilowatt hour and you know current rates being in the high 30s, approaching 40 and probably going north from there, we still think it's a valuable investment that might in 20 years save the club about a million dollars.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean I've seen a lot of PPAs over the years and I would feel very confident in in those numbers that you just, you just outlined, by the way, Tom. So uh, that's great, that's great. Okay, so you've got roughly an $8,000 bill. You've got roughly maybe a million dollars in savings. You probably have a PPA. We just said there's some, you know, pretty significant construction costs in, in developing something like this. That's a pretty significant savings. Have you, have you thought at all about the overall greenhouse gas kind of conversation?
2: I mean, it's certainly a consideration. If you look at the population of Maui, especially the population here at the Maui Country Club, there are a lot of people that are concerned about that, and you see that by the number of electric vehicles in the parking lot. You also see that by just the, the way we approach renewables and recycling, and, and it's a fairly green community here on the North Shore. So yeah, we wanted to be friendly with that. We also didn't want to have an industrial look to the club. So we spent a couple of cents a kilowatt hour in our PPA on trying to address the aesthetics so that we'd actually have carport structures that didn't look like what you find at Costco or at Akaku or anywhere downtown. So we did have to spend a little extra to get powder coated aluminum, to not have steel, to not deal with rusting down the road. And so that did cost us a little bit more, but that aesthetic is as important as the sustainability aspects.
0: Yeah, and and this is kind of where I wanna go with this, which I I think is really interesting. We've established that you're saving money, We've established that, you know, it's a green community, and we're kind of doing the right thing, and we feel, you know, a lot of warm, a lot of good warm and fuzzies about that, right? And we're all moving in that direction. we get a 100% renewable energy mandate here in, in Hawaii, so you're leading the way with that. Arguably one of the last NEMs in Maui, do you, is it, do you know if it is the last NEM?
2: I, I have been told that it is the last NEM. I mean, that program ended two and a half years ago, and we have been stringing it along with Miko showing progress on the building permits uh, that process just happens to take a long time here and Fortunately, Miko understood that and let us extend the NEM and and make this project possible. But to my knowledge, this is the last one installed. Good job, Miko. Okay, so, you know, one of the things that
0: I think is once you get past the conversation about saving money, you get past the conversation about, hey, we're making an important impact on our community and kind of uh, showcasing what's possible here for the state and other places, you know, even bigger, the country, the world, then you start thinking about this added utility, added uh, value. That's sitting right in front of you, and I think this is kind of the last thing that people think about, but it's it's not insignificant. It, I mean, you've got a tremendous amount of shade here, uh, and there's and of course you got to be you know there's certain use restrictions. We have to be cognizant of that, but it, it, from the perspective of a guy that spent some time at beach clubs, shade is a high. Value commodity. Any? Anyway, I didn't Maui. geez, You ever? You ever watch the cars in the parking lots? That they just. Get, everyone searches for the tree. Right. So shade is a big deal. So what? You, what's going? What do you think about the added utility to the club?
2: Well, there are some use restrictions uh, that we're aware of. But th- that being said, when you're on a hot tennis court and it may be 90 degrees outside, it could be 125, 130, 140 degrees on that court. That's an asphalt court so the concept of having a 105 foot structure that's nearly as long as the entire tennis court and sun in the afternoon hitting that structure and providing shade onto that court so that when you sit down on your changeover the temperature difference can be 25 30 degrees and that's phenomenal so we've already gotten feedback that just the existence of the structure has dramatically improved the situation on one of the tennis courts But that being said, the area for impromptu parties and to have uh, an additional gathering place that can be used in a temporary fashion for easing the congestion that we have at the pool, as an example, is a huge benefit. Uh, I think all in all, most people are very happy with this installation that we have. Yeah,
0: you know, and I think there's a general resistance to change. People are hesitant to change, especially this. There's a lot of tradition here. There's a lot of background. People are acquainted with a certain kind of thing. But just from a guy that spends a few hours (laughs) here once in a while, I can tell you that having the ocean view and the small sacrifice and maybe privacy, I think that's a net gain. And then when you look at the, you know, you move from the the monetary savings and creating better fiscal stability for the organization to keep, to provide the family environment that you described, that's a net gain. When you look at the GHG and pointing the path forward, and the having that strong message of sustainability, that's huge. And now you have this utility. Uh, when I say utility, I'm not talking about electric utility. I'm talking about utilitarian opportunity of all this shade on the beach. To me, you got like a trifecta there. Bam, bam, bam. That's a lot of. That's a lot of really positive stuff.
2: I certainly couldn't have said it any better. The extension of of concepts of how we use this back of the house side of the club is, is astounding. The, the area that's out closest to the beach, you know, if we can get through the uh, challenges of use, it could be used easily for beach storage or for sub storage, stand up boards and surfboards and you know, OC1 kayaks. So extending the programatics of the club out towards the beach by having a facility where you can then store some of your toys in a safe and secure manner would be huge. And so I think the possibilities are endless and very happy to see us be able to start this new new phase. Excellent. Well, Tom,
0: um, this has been, for me, illuminating to kind of get a sense of the background where it's come from. I really didn't know exactly what we're going to talk about, but I like the fact that I can see all this value that's been created, and, and I want to give a nod to you, because I know you work really hard, and you're not a staff member, you're, but you, you're, sometimes I feel like you probably are.
2: Well, I, uh, I look forward, this is my last year on the board, I'm currently the vice president, and uh, have certainly learned a lot about the operations of Maui Country Club, and I'm uh, anxious to going back to just being a member and enjoying this place because it's been a lot of work, but it's been a labor of love. I love it. It's a heck of a
0: legacy to, uh, to go out with. So congratulations on creating a lot of value. Thank you for your hard work, and
2: thanks for uh, a great show too. Yeah. Thank you, Josh, I really appreciate this.
0: So we are here with Chauncey Brown and Matias Basaso. I've been chasing Matias for a little bit here to talk about this great solar system that is at the Maui Country Club. So thanks very much for taking the time
3: to uh, talk with us. Hey Josh, I'm sorry for the time it took to get together. We were too busy doing solar. So we were doing solar, not talking about solar, but you caught us at a good day, we caught a break. And so now instead of doing solar, we can talk solar.
0: Excellent, excellent.
3: And Chauncey, I
0: know you from uh, way back when. You've uh, told me a couple things about the early days of solar here in Maui, back in 07 when you were getting in on the initial NEM boom. Thanks for taking the time out to talk with us.
4: Thanks for having us today, Josh. Looking forward to it.
0: So, gentlemen, we're sitting here under a 150KW territory-ish pavilion at the Maui Country Club, really pretty spectacular location, right? Pretty peaceful and amazing kind of thing. Can you tell us a little about the solar system?
3: Yeah, you know, we have a story with this location besides being members and, and enjoying the facilities. Some time ago in our solar mission, we wanted to see what we could do to support certain places, begin improving or neutralizing their carbon footprint. Of course, there are many things you can do from water to material use to consumption. As solar guys, we focus on energy and how to offset energy. The club underwent through years a lot of scrutiny as it relates to efficiency, mainly tied to the cost of operating this facility. So, you know, Russell and his team have been looking at at pumping and lighting and cooling and different things they can do to, to make their bill go down. But they always would hit a hard limit, which is basically how much energy costs here in Hawaii. And as everyone knows, Hawaii Country Club is a non-profit facility Dues to keep the club running. So anything it can do to improve its operational costs is going to be a benefit to the members. And hopefully the community. I believe about four years ago, we attacked their first more clear problem, which is all the water pumping and irrigation they do. We decided to place a solar system in their pro shop, do a little bit of structure renovation and improve, you know, the quality of, of the space, and at the same time incorporating uh, PV energy to the building so it could power its operations, both you know, lighting and general power. the pro shop, but also powering a 24-7, 365 pumping operation. We live in the North Shore of Maui, it's humid and it rains, but golf courses need a lot of water, and that water needs to get pumped, electricity needs to be used, so what a better way to use solar energy to do the same thing in a better way. So this is that initial stage,
0: right? And then are we working on one meter here at the the country club or multiple meters?
3: This club always had two meters. We first attacked the irrigation one. We just attacked the clubhouse one. So we had an agenda. We knew we wanted to offset 100% of the usage. We started with one meter, the irrigation meter. We're lucky enough to get under NEM net metering. The club benefited from that great interconnection opportunity was available back then. Learning from the first experience, they also signed up for an expansion or a second PPA on the clubhouse. Done a little differently, done a little more creatively, with a little more form and function in mind. You know, these pavilions that you described, Josh, you know, are going to add a lot of function uh, to this place. And we believe they look the part with the club. We think it's, you know, it's good work and it's just, again, it's going to be a great addition to the club. That was done under a second M agreement that Maui Electric actually was graceful and, 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 and grateful enough to uh, let us keep in play even though you know net metering ended uh, in October of 15. I, I hear rumors that this is one of the last NEMs to be deployed. Does that sound about right to you? I would think so, and Chauncey can tell you the same stories. You know, we have been seeing NEM go away and basically disappear, become extinct. It was the solar dinosaur, but um, nice. I think this may be the last bone that goes to the ground. John, C, what's your thoughts
0: uh, on on this system and you know its relationship to the overall kind of NEM program that you've had so much experience with.
4: Yeah, I mean this system was definitely a fun system to to put up, and it w- took such a long time from start to finish on this period in NEM, just due to the materials we needed to use, the manufacturers we needed to use to get this job accomplished. You know, we're 100, 150 yards from the ocean. Here. and so everything we wanted to use was stainless steel and aluminum we didn't want to have any steel structures on all these carports and pavilions so the thing is is we designed this entire project and we actually had you know purchase orders in place and plans set and everything set in with our permitting for the county for using Schleder carports and orders in products supposed to be arriving and product doesn't show up and the company had gone bankrupt so everything on this had to be redesigned with another company that would make this custom out of aluminum and stainless steel for us. So this carport that you're looking at here is actually the first version of this kind. And we designed this one from scratch in-house, had everything shipped in. And so that was when you're seeing the, the extensions that Miko was allowing us to have, was really doing due to them seeing that we had purchase orders in place, we had deposits down, we had permits in place at that moment and we had vendors who who switched out on us so Miko was kind enough at that point in time to see that you know our ducks were in a row at the time and gave us an extension based upon the new equipment coming in and allowed us to interconnect later on so I do believe this is one of the very last NEM agreements that we have going into place as a new install within Maui itself the island of Maui
0: that's that's an amazing story and I think it speaks to the you know, the volatility that we've experienced over the years in this industry. I mean you can be stacked up, ready to go, all your ducks are in a row and then a company is no longer there anymore, right? And also I, I think that Maui Electric, you know, a lot of the times the community doesn't have a sense of some of these overtures that Maui Electric does make to support the industry and support these types of projects. I mean, the fact that you were able to get extensions uh, and you were able to simply petition, you know, hey, we, if we have everything together, this thing happens, that's a positive, positive story, right? We don't always hear those, so that's pretty cool to hear. All right, well let's talk a little bit more about the specifics, okay? So give us a sense of
3: the scale of the system and what kind of value it creates. Let me start by saying that we never design systems to offset 100% of whatever usage may be there. Mm -hmm. We always ask, have all efficiency measures been done, and are we looking at an efficient facility? Or a different angle would be, are you looking at increasing your electrical loads? You know, with the adoption of EVs and other things, the electrification of our world. Some people see a benefit in locking in energy at a, at a, rate, a cheaper, you know, cost, lower cost, and also getting it from, you know, from renewables. So we set off to offset about uh, 85 to 90 percent of the bill back then. In order to do that, we maxed out the clubhouse. So we put, you know, roof-mounted PV everywhere we could. There's a bit of a feud uh, over the location of the panel. Some people wanted to see him someplace, some people didn't want another. Uh, We're not going to say which team we're on, but, you know, (laughs) this is part of the drama for the radio. But, you know, we we won, we agreed, uh, and that's the point. There are thousands of members that belong to this club. Everyone had an opportunity to open their mouth and say what they want and didn't want. So this is a, a collaborative, cohesive process that we went through to get this done. Once we maxed out the roof spaces, we were searching for additional space, and we realized that the, the country club could and its members could benefit from other areas of enjoyment and relaxation, such as, you know, watch the tennis courts or store some boards by the beach or open up to the beach and bring the beach more into our country club. So we were looking 100% at offsetting energy and maximizing, you know, the capture of the solar energy while achieving more purposes than just one. And that's providing, you know, some additional benefit to the club in the form of these shade structures. So
4: one of the key design characteristics that we looked at with this was we had this 100 kilowatt NEM that was sitting there. And so we could build up to 100 kilowatts on the AC side with our NEM agreements here in Maui County. But our DC side is really limited only to what your warranty parameters are and good design characteristics. So this is one where we had looked at the rooftop itself and we have four different azimuths that we were able to come up upon there. And then looking at the shade structures and the pavilions at which areas could we attack the best. So we went with a western facing and then a southern facing on this and we spread the string loading out so that you have inverters that have a combination of multiple azimuths at the same point in time. So then they're not getting loaded at any one given time. This allows for the absolute maximum solar production on a site by keeping that AC value limited to 100 kilowatts. So we're about 150 kilowatts DC and 100 kilowatts AC, a 1.5 DC to AC ratio on the system. And that's
0: really interesting. From a solar guy's perspective, I start to think along these lines as well. You're working with SolarEdge inverters, right? And I think they have like a 1.55 DC to AC max ratio recommendation right around now?
4: Yeah, so it's 1.55 on their residential units, on their HD waves. On all of their three-phase products, it's still a 1.35 DC to AC ratio. So you have to send in another validation terms. You have to show what your designs are. You have to show where you're stringing from one side to the other and really show that you're not going to overproduce at any one set point in time. But this was a project where we were able to show the panel locations, the areas, and try to find a good functional spot. You know this was a project where it would have been nice to be able to do carports but they have these big beautiful monkey pod trees that just really prevent any use of that area so that's when the guys started to think outside of the box as far as locations that we could also put carports on property and ended up with these areas
3: let me let me just say this i'll
0: take off my uh my radio hat put on my solar hat a little bit here from an industry insider uh, folks we're really we're talking to masters here solar masters I can tell you right now I'm not shining you guys it's it's there's something special what you just said I know you're, you're interacting and interacting you're petitioning the utility to extend the NEM you're interacting and you're petitioning the the, the brains of the operation to maintain the warranties with uh, specific custom uh, DC to AC ratios you're looking at value creation outside of simply rooftop you're dealing with the almost in an architectural sense the context of the value of the club that those trees out there something we all Look forward to when we pull in maybe if you don't if you don't mind the things falling in your cars right but i mean you, you feel good it's a wonderful thing to feel right and you didn't want uh, to put uh, solar carports there now you're talking about pavilions and you're creating all this extra value in usable space right i mean when i spoke with tom a moment ago and we talked about this trifecta of value you've got a financial savings right? You've got a, a net energy metered system. You've got a PPA. You've got very little capital expenditure. There's a little minor amount, you know, but basically it's a power purchase agreement. You've got savings, maybe upwards of a million dollars over the next, uh, is it a 20-year term? Then you have a, a GHG component. I mean, it's it's no small thing to be able to say to everyone that comes here and sees this, that this club is moving towards net zero possibly, maybe, right? right, Get close to that. And, and it says quite a bit. And then you also have the utilitarian aspect of these pavilions. And we don't see a lot of people space under solar these days that's probably the new area right so you're showing what's possible and I think like anything else people can have inertia and say oh I don't know if I want this new thing here and I don't know if I want to see that but once you get under it
3: like we're sitting under it right now right there's a lot of shade here you know as you were describing all of this I come here a lot so I'm always looking around the system and looking around the people and uh I guess I have my perception of how people perceive the system over the two year span this took, or let's call it a year and a half. I mean, those panels have been sitting on the roof for a year plus before this carport got in. My point, there's been a almost forceful acceptance of something that be, that became a beautiful conclusion, you know? It was painful because it's not what we're used to. It's not our comfort zone. What are you doing with my space Change, right? As humans, we all resist change. And that resistance was felt throughout the project. But I was in, we all came out here and, you know, Joe, he was been around, Joe T's been, just, we, we keep coming. and We keep showing our face. And now you can see people looking up and going, I'm so glad other forces pulled through. Russell Goshi. Yeah. Do you know how many times Russell had to explain the general manager of this place, what was happening? And whoa, this is gonna do to the club and why we're doing it and why all these trees are getting cut. And through all that resistance, which is the world we live in, Josh, the tip of this pier keeps puncturing and going through and going through until it's on the other side. And then you have people turning around and want to follow that. Yeah, you couldn't say it better than that, really. It's very interesting how there is that
0: inertia, there is that kind of slow acceptance. And then we're sitting here now, and I'll tell you something from a guy that spends a little bit of time here. I hear people having conversations. And it's not, oh geez, look at those solar systems. It's, wow, do you see all the shade? Hey, what do you think about we could do with that space? All of a sudden, there's all this extra, almost livable space, uh, and I'm I've heard. Sure we don't call it livable, right, we don't yeah, you got know, some county know, issues yeah. there. Is this solar car- <laughs> it's a solar carport. You can't put anything permanent under here because we don't want to have to get into sprinkler systems. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, but, but there's definitely a lot of of feeling of wow, how can we utilize that? You know, we want to, we want to be able to be under here with a, maybe a, you know, some chairs and watch a tennis match. We want to be able to store some boards under it or we want to be able to do some, I've heard some more creative ideas too, of course. And that's the that's that positive kind of recognition on the backside of what
3: you guys went through. I mean, how many years were you doing this? I think from you know, the initial development until turning it on three years, Probably. It takes a lot of faith and a lot of comfort in solar
0: and a lot of, since 2007, Chauncey has been out there slinging solar, putting together projects in Maui County, right? I'm sure you've been doing it as long, if not longer. And it take, you, you have to have that kind of faith and fortitude to kind of push through all that, don't you?
3: We used to say in the early days, you know, that you had to work to support your solar habit. In the early days, so three or four or five, you know, we, we had jobs and then we had solar. You got three solar guys sitting here all smiling at that statement, right? <laughs> because we totally get it, man. What do you think? Do you have to work to
0: support your solar habit in the beginning, John?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, for the first couple of years, the only way we were able to put up solar is through de- Department of Defense contracts and just a lot of militarized spending, things like that and then really when the incentives started to change in 2010 2011 i think that's when all of us started to see it as a profitable business but anything before that was simply guys trying to make power and and thinking that it was pretty cool and
3: think of this josh the first system we sold which was probably about 10 bucks a watt in 03 had an itc only there was no state tax credit it was 10 percent not 30 percent and it was capped at two thousand dollars
0: that's a totally different ball game to what we're seeing now with incentives, right?
3: power was uh, $0.16 cents a kilowatt hour. So imagine a solar sale in the early 2000s, and people couldn't even pronounce the word photovoltaic. But
0: the, the world has changed so much, gentlemen, from that time that you just described it. I love the way you very succinctly put it, $10 a lot ten percent itc capped at 2g sixteen cents a kilowatt hour for solar guys we know those are the variables that drive this conversation from a financial roi perspective right but it was beyond that then it was i want solar probably for the doing it for the right reason or for you know uh, to make a statement or an early adopter that said i'm going to be the guy with solar on his roof i'm going to be number five nem in maui county or wherever that was but nowadays i mean could you have ever thought maybe we transition a little bit outside of this conversation briefly here what do you feel about what's happening in the world right now? I think we just hit two million solar systems installed across the country, right? We've got the electrification of Transpo. We've got maritime. We've got aviation. We've got all these kind of re- remarkable things happening. we got peaker plants that get knocked out in Kauai. We have a, a nearly gigawatt utility scale RFP phase two that just got put in. We have virtual power planting being set up uh, across the United States, not alone, not just Europe right now. I mean, there's like from 2003, when you were just talking about, to now, it's like a it's like a whole different world. I mean, how do you feel about that?
3: I, I don't. I could have imagined it. I, I don't know if I didn't read enough science fiction when I was a kid, although I did. But um, the transformation of the world, not just the, the technology and the solutions for the world needs, right? But what the world has become from 2003 until now, 16 year, years later, it's not that long, Josh. You know, sure, it's a teenager's life, but um, it's amazing. It's not that long, and you know. I'm sure John he's been at the, at the leading edge of that transformation from a technology standpoint, and some of these you know, military environments that he's worked in, and you know, where cost may be not so much an issue because what you're trying to do is bring change forth. And uh, what were some of the early projects? I mean and some of them we've even worked together back at the tech park, although you know, we worked for different companies, we kind of saw a glimpse of that together. But don't you think, John, that it's been 16 years of power came from somewhere else, basically. You were not the owner of power you couldn't rely on a natural resource unless you were out in the boondocks or part of the hippie movement power came from the wall and that was mainstream as we knew it 16 years ago that's not that long
0: 16 years is such a short period of time you know i read somewhere that we tend to overestimate as humans what we can accomplish in a short period of time but we tend to us underestimate what we can accomplish over a longer period of time you know and so we think oh, we're gonna do all this thing this year from a businessman's perspective I have all we're gonna do we're gonna double revenue this year I think to myself Uh, but then 10 years out we don't realize how much we can accomplish in any given task so something like this what's happened with the electrification of our energy and the ownership of our energy and the adoption of renewable energies over the last 16 years I don't think anyone really could have predicted, you know. But that being said, do you have any predictions for the next few years? Do you have any insights or I mean these guys we're tip of the spear you mentioned earlier. Maui, Hawaii, arguably one of the tips of the spears, one of the locations in the United States, right? You've got all those great variables that you mentioned, great tax incentives, great sun, high cost of electricity, a renewable energy mandate, you know we've got a relative wealth out here, so the opportunity for people to become early adopters. What do you see happening
4: Well, I think that right now what we're seeing is we as a country are undergoing our most major electrical infrastructure change since the air conditioners really came out where people started going from 60, 70 amp circuits to much greater ones inside houses, bringing upon electric vehicles. We're doing a lot more with our DIRs and our battery management, our battery storage. People are going to be able to move energy around from one area to another, and I think that you're just seeing electrification. While we're moving to renewables, it's phenomenal, and we're going to see, continue to see the surge out here. It's really going to be neat to see how everything works and talks together, and to be there at the front line of it as it's as it's happening.
0: Do you have any concerns? I mean, I, I have concerns, just as an you know individual, as a solar guy, as a, a guy that's involved with media he, now in this in this area. I think to myself, there's all this potential. That renewable energy uh, generation storage management efficiencies offers there's a lot tremendous potential for the democratization of energy right do you do you have any concerns about big groups out there kind of grabbing it and and, and not, not and people not being able to harness the full value of it one of our
3: concerns you know having been in the industry for some time and having grown with it is there's trades training and in when you're a tradesman and you're being taught to be a tradesman uh, workmanship is a word that comes up a lot and that's what a tradesman aspires to be, to perform great workmanship. It's, uh, it's known that great workmanship leads to a better product. The reason why best practices are the only path to follow are because that's the best product product in the end to the end consumer. But there are a lot of, um, let's call it a status quo or framework uh, externalities to any industry mm. that can make it a very successful one or can kill it on its tracks. Mm. You know, we're up on roofs, slinging panels around in 25-mile-an-hour wind with electrical generators, okay? <laughs> so if it's not approached right, if it's not done right, it's not cared for right, we're gonna have problems, we're gonna have injuries, we're gonna have casualties. And the last thing that we want, it's an emerging technology that's actually capable of changing the awareness, the consciousness, and the world, how we make and use energy, can fall on its tracks because it was done wrong. What are the things that fuel doing it wrong? Financial rushes. If solar was a gold rush in every market that it took off, it would probably be short-lived because through extreme acceleration of markets, lots of mistakes get made. And with something like this, they could be really bad. So I think we've had pockets of accelerated markets where it's taken off and subsided and so on and so forth. My biggest concern is that as we're building a foundation for our future, that we do it wrong out of greed, out of wanting to get too much from it now. And we're not looking at the big picture.
0: Wow, that's huge. That's huge what you just said. So it's really about looking at this kind of long arc of where we're trying to go and uh, taking the right steps and being aware of the workmanship component of this, being aware of safety standards. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we just saw, for example, not to not to talk about clickbait too much, but I mean, we saw that uh, Walmart was suing Tesla because of some problems with fires, right? So probably an example of you know Tesla out there. I mean, I don't want to you know impugn any company whatsoever because I got a lot of, tremendous respect for Tesla. But out there, you know, putting in a tremendous amount of solar on Walmart all over the, all over the country, and then maybe some mistakes were made. It looks like they're working that out, but that's maybe an example of things that we got to be be keep an eye out for, right? I mean, there's the opportunity right now. Where are we at in terms of, of course, renewable energy? energies, Maui, something like 37 percent-ish right now, pre-phase two, pre-phase one, I think, too, actually, renewable energies. But our adoption rate of solar on a utility meter basis might be around like 20 percent or something. Do you guys know off the top of your head? Roughly about that, 20 percent. So the reason I say that is that, you know, when you think about a a product, like we've got something like 70,000 utility accounts out here in Maui County, as an example, in Hawaii. And we've got something like, I want to say, 13,000 meters that have solar on them, whether that's predominantly nem or some cgs plus or some of the other tariffs i don't know but it's like that movement from 20 percent adoption rate to 40 50 60 that can be a hockey stick If you look at like cell phones, for example, or other kind of products out there. Now, of course, cell phones don't have the utility, the county, the federal ITC, the state. (laughs) They don't have all those additional factors that kind of influence it. But are we on the cusp of just massive adoption of renewable energies? Do you feel that's what's about to happen? Do you feel like we're going to see a a gradual increase? Or do you feel like it's going to
4: just hockey stick right up. So I mean, just if you look at what the RFPs that the county and what the electric companies have put out as far as just bringing on large scale solar online, we are gonna see very much so a hockey state, but it's gonna be, you know, a combination of utility size and individuals. Individuals is always going to be tied into incentives in some way or another. So we'll have to see what happens. I mean, I think that what happens based upon the 2020 election cycle will also make some substantial changes one way or another. And I think that we'll all have a little bit more clarity at that point in time. Again, the the key is trying to make sure that that all sides are talking to each other, at least in a way where we can all benefit. There's definitely good sides to having utility-based PV and renewables as a whole. And there's also a lot of good that can happen out of having individual home base, too. So it's trying to have a mesh and an agreement between the two of them. You know, and in all cases, I don't think that every house has to have a a huge PV system, but taking away some of the base loads, looking at areas like California, which has introduced that all new houses have to have a small PV system, things like that, you know, measures that the state wants to put into play, you know, it just, if we are trying to hit our 100% renewable goals, we all have to continue to drive this boat forward.
0: That's huge. I, you know, I think that this conversation of the relationship between utility scale and let's say homeowner or CNI and business is, is going to emerge as a really relevant narrative from from Maui, from Hawaii, because this is one of the first environments that has this massive percentage adoption rate, right? And then of course, there could be a massive amount of utility scale, and then does the homeowner practically speaking do they have challenges in getting solar systems and i think right now i had william geesey on the executive director of the hawaii solar energy association a really brilliant young man just a couple weeks ago and he was saying yeah we've got you know a, a bit of a boom again or some you know movement out there but companies are struggling or at least you know, a lot of the companies maybe the companies that's surviving are doing great like you guys right but uh, a lot but it's tough for companies out there and it can be tough for homeowners to understand the value of solar post nem
4: right well i think that the- there's a that that really is an equipment specific question to or a problem that you have out there you know there are very good storage products out there and ever since NEM went away where the utility really was your battery it's been about what are the products that are available and really everyone trying to hunt to find out what the best things are you know if you talked to us a couple years ago and asked us how many storage products we had you know it would have been under a hundred total since the infancy of the company and now we're pushing upwards of a thousand so, I mean, and we have over 500 Tesla installations. I mean, we, we find people are really enjoying the products that are available now. We have found a good way to sell the product. So I think that we're delivering our message now properly and effectively to the homeowner to where they understand what they're getting. The value proposition as far as not only the equipment being there and at a price which can sell, but also the availability of the product coming in with the incentives that we still have, right? And it's gotta be all three of those. You've gotta have the incentives, you've gotta have the value add on a a financial, you have to have a technology product that looks appealing to the customer they wanna put on there and then provide some sort of stability. And then also the availability to get what was promised and then delivered in a timely manner. I think that that has been a lot of the headaches inside the the storage world so far with people regardless of product is just availability. What is there? What are the price points? Et cetera, And how do you explain it to your clients? And are the clients really getting what they expected?
0: Yeah, Chauncey really hit the nail on the head there. I, don't, I, I certainly couldn't have said it better myself. All right, gentlemen, we're rounding out the show here. So we could probably sit around and talk for hours. So would you like to uh, add any last words before we close?
3: Yeah, I, I, uh, I feel like we've gone through the valley of death, to tell you the truth, in 16 and 17, probably partially 18, uh, you know, NEM, although a lot of negative things, was a great time for solar. Lots of customers were going solar, lots of customers were saving money, lots of companies were making money, people were busy. It was a good time. Some things were not so good, and we've learned from those, I think. Then we had a number of years where it was just bad. People were getting solar, companies were going bankrupt, vendors waiting getting paid, sales reps had to get another job. So I'm really happy, Josh, to be talking about solar in a positive, constructive, projective, feel good, we're back, we made it, you couldn't kill us kind of way.
0: Thank you so much, uh, Matthias, for taking the time, you're the, uh, the owner, the proprietor, the the Big Kahuna over at Rising Sun, and Chauncey Brown, a longtime Solar Maverick, also at Rising Sun. Thank you, gentlemen, for your time today. Really uh, inspiring conversation. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Josh. All right, there you go. Uh, oh, there's our, there's our end of show uh, sounds right there. That is a story of a solar system at Maui Country Club. Uh, kind of also talks to the greater industry. I learned a lot from it. Thanks to Tom Glesney, to Matias Basasso, and to Chauncey Brown. Also, to Brian Thomas, to Fairwinds Wealth Management. Thank you, Tom. Brian. Great to be here, Josh. See you uh, Wednesday uh, for Taco Tuesday. Love it, Country Club. All right. Uh, hey, folks, we are sponsored by Sundrum Solar Pantech Design and LG Chem. It's been a great show. Have a wonderful weekend and Aloha Friday.